entitled my message, The Fine Art of Balance. The Fine Art of Balance. Albert Einstein said this, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. And I want to talk to you about two movements that Jesus spoke of. All right? And these are the two scriptures I'm going to read to you. But Jesus spoke of two movements, come and go. You right? And for me, these are the two movements that, that create the rhythm for balanced living. Right? Uh, firstly, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. If you take out your notes, um, the scriptures are there. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The second movement is go. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the come, go. Both movements important to keep balance in our spiritual lives, right? So let me talk to you a little bit about the two movements first. The first movement, come to me, right? Why? Jesus says this, if you want rest in your souls. If you want rest in your souls, you have to come to me, right? It's not just taking a break, going on a holiday, right? Sure, you get temporary rest when you go on a break, you go on a holiday. But dear friends, Jesus is not talking about something temporal. He's talking about rest, this deep inner rest in your soul. And that only comes when you come to him. Come to me if you want rest. Who is he talking to? All. All who labor, all who are heavy laden. I like the way Jesus used these two words. All who labor, right? This is a weariness that's self-imposed. A weariness that you have created in your own life through your own actions. That toiling, that striving, that drivenness, right? For just a little bit more. That's all we want. We want just a little bit more. And that drivenness gets to you, all right? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more, right? We get that house and just a little bit more. And that drivenness sometimes, dear friends, creates such a weariness that the soul is desperate for rest. Then Jesus also talks about those who are heavy laden. That's not a burden you've put on yourself. That's a burden that's come upon you. A weariness that's caused by external factors. Burdens that have been put on you. Sometimes work commitments you have to carry. Family commitments that you are carrying. Sickness that you, that's unavoidable, that you, that's been put on you. Relationship challenges that are unavoidable, but that's been put on you. Right? Heavy laden. Your response Come, come. It's a movement towards Christ that is critical if we want to live 
spiritually balanced life. How do you do that? Well, two movements there too. A movement in your action. Come, take, learn. He gives you three verbs there in what he's saying. Come, make space for God. Make time for God. Clear your mind. Clear your calendar. It's not just something that you can do haphazardly. It's got to be intentional. You have to come. You've got to do your part. You've got to come. Right? You've got to take. Say, take my yoke upon you. You take something upon you. His yoke. You take, you take yourself. You, you put on yourself his way of thinking. You put on yourself his way of doing. You put on yourself his way of logic and rationale. His will. You put it on yourself. It's, a, it's, it's an action that you've got to do. You come. You put on. Right? And you learn. That's a process. It's not something you do just once. It's a process. Right? It's not a one-time movement. It's a constant movement. A process of being taught by Him. Why? Because your soul is desperately needing rest. Who? All who labor. All who are heavy laden. How? It's a movement in action. Come, take, learn. But it's also a movement in your thinking patterns. He says, I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You've got to change your thinking pattern. The coming to God, coming to Christ, involves change in the thinking pattern. God is gentle. God is lowly in heart. God is humble. In other words, when you come to God and you hear a harsh tone, you hear a proudful voice, I'm telling you that is not God. He's trying to tell us that's why you're not finding rest. When you go to scriptures and you hear this condemnation that's coming upon you, friends, that's not God. You will never find rest in your souls. So much unrest because we read scriptures through a different lens, a harsh lens, a prideful lens. But he's saying, I am gentle. I am lowly, lowly in heart. Then he says, my yoke is easy. You know the thing you're putting on yourself? His ways, his thoughts, his will, it's actually easier than what you're trying to do. It's actually lighter than what you are carrying. How? You come, you take, you learn. How? You change your thinking. He is gentle. He is lowly. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. That's the first movement. Come to me. Second movement. Go into all the world. It's not just about coming. It's also about going. All right? There's this, it's, it's like inhaling and exhaling. It's like breathing. All right? it's, you've got to take in. You've got to take, exhale. Right? It, th- this is spiritual life. It's not just come. It's not just come. It's not just getting into a monastery and praying, singing hymns, and, and just staying close to Jesus. What a wonderful thing to do. All right? But he- hello, time to go too. There is still that movement of going. That's the spiritual balance, right? 
Go into all the world. And what do you do? You make disciples. You baptize in God the Trinity. You teach to observe. That's what you need to do. You move out. It's not just a movement in. It's a movement out. You go out. What do you do? You make disciples. In other words, you live your life. You speak like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. You do like Jesus. Until somebody says, I want to be like that. That's the making of disciples. All right? You have to be a disciple before you can make a disciple. But when you go out there as a disciple, you're called to make a disciple. And then what do you do? You baptize. Hey, that's getting wet. Yes. It's about baptizing somebody. It's, it's, we are called. There's something about baptism that transforms a person. Something external that does something. That the inner hand of God creates transformation within. It's an important thing. If you've never been baptized through immersion, ooh, that's a Baptist. But if you have never experienced baptism as an adult, my dear friends, I invite you to experience it. Right? Why? Because there's something about that act of baptism that's transformational. But listen, it's not just immersing in water. It's throughout the life, the, that disciple that you just brought in, it's your role, not the pastor's role, not, not the elders, not the leaders, not the managers. It's your role to immerse them in a relationship with the Father, in a relationship with the Son, in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then teach them to observe. You know how you teach? Not with your mouth, but with your life. You need to observe before you teach others to observe. The second movement, go into all the world. Both bring the balance. Come to me, go into all the world. Come to me, go into all the world. Come to me, go into all the world. That's what creates this movement that brings about balance. In order to maintain a balanced life, no matter what season you're in this morning, friends, we need to learn the rhythm of living the spiritual life. The fine art of balance involves the rhythm of come to him, going into the world. I want to take you to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to look at the story of Elijah. If ever there was a man that every man and woman, when you read that, you want to be, it's probably this prophet Elijah, right? Um, but I want to take you to 1 Kings 19. And this guy had a breakdown. He literally had a nervous breakdown. He got burnt out. He forgot the rhythm of balance. And so we are going to go to 1 Kings 19. And I thank God that the author of the book of Kings chose to keep this story for us. That even a great man like Elijah can actually go through a time where he lost his balance, right? And so cheer up, folks. We're going into a friendly environment. 1 Kings 19, right? And the story, of course, is about Elijah. And um, I, I'll read to you verse 4. 
But he himself went a day's journey. He, that's Elijah. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. This guy has just prayed three and a half years of famine. He has just prayed and brought down rain from heaven. He just prayed before that and brought fire to burn up, supernaturally burn, burn up the offering. This guy's prayers, all right, shake worlds and nations. Now his prayer is, I want to die. I quit. I've had enough of this. See, not, see, I'm not the only one who quit, right? This pastor quit too. They didn't have a search committee like we have, right? He was it. He prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. You've got to read two chapters before to understand what's going on here. In chapter 17 and chapter 18, you see Elijah on the go. He's just go, 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 go. The balance of come probably is not there. We cannot find it in chapter 17 and 18. He is on the go. First, he's dealing with oncoming famine. He's prophesying about it. He's warning the nation about it. Then he's, a widow comes and says, my son is dead. So he's got to now pray and raise a son, raise a dead boy to life again, right? Then the story moves on. He's going and talking to King Ahab, right? One of the meanest and wicked, most wicked kings that Israel has ever had. And here he is interacting with him. The guy calls him a troublemaker, right? And here he is um, having this uncomfortable conversations with this corrupt king. Right? Then, face to face, he's challenging the prophets of Baal. By that time, there were 400 prophets all across Israel teaching and corrupting that nation. All right? And so he challenges them, brings them all up to this men's conference <laughs> up at Carmel. All right? And he challenges them, if your God is God, let him burn up these offerings. Right? If my God is God, he will burn up these offerings. Then he tells the nation Israel, you choose who is God. If God is God, worship him. If Baal is God, worship him. All right? And so here comes the challenge. And you know the story? The prophets couldn't do anything. They, they cried out. They called out. They cut themselves up. Nothing's happening to the uh, sacrifice. All right? In fact, Elijah is really taunting them. Shout louder. Cry out louder. Maybe he cannot hear you. Right? And so they do that. They start shouting louder. Then he says, shout louder. Maybe he's in the toilet. Literally, that's what the scripture says. Right? Maybe he's in the outhouse. Shout louder. You know the story. Fire, when when, when um, Elijah cries out, fire comes down and burns up the offering. Right? The entire nation sees this miracle, this supernatural act. And then he orders them to go down the valley from the mountain. And he orders them to get rid of all the prophets of Baal. That one day, all false teaching was wiped out in Israel that day. That's what revival is. When the word of God truly becomes the word of God. And there is no mixture, no corruption to the word of God. Right? So that's happened. 
immediately after that, he walks up again to Mount Carmel to pray for rain. Now, you say, yeah, that's easy. Mount Carmel, 550 meters high, all right? Twice the height of Mau Mau, Mount Manganui, right? right? It takes Paul King 15 minutes to get up to the mount. It would have taken him half an hour. And he'll still be, can I do it again? But here's Elijah, climbs up the mountain, does what he does. And let me tell you, that was a physical task, right? Comes down to the valley, goes up again, all right? And starts praying. Seven times he's interceding for rain, and then rain comes down, right? All this happens in one day, all right? That, that, the two incidents, right? And so he's down there now. And then what does, he, what, what does he hear? He gets a messenger from Jezebel, the wicked queen, and says to him, by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. Here's a man, spiritually drained, physically drained, threatened by Jezebel. And the Bible says, fear grips his heart, and he runs for his life. It doesn't make sense, eh? You're standing there and facing 400 prophets. But now, at the most vulnerable time of his life, right, he is tired physically. He's drained out spiritually. Here comes a threat, and he fears for his life, and he runs into the wilderness. What does God do? In verse 5 and 6, 1 Kings 19, they touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. You know what, friends? Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to go to sleep. To eat and sleep. Sometimes when we are feeling so down, feeling drained spiritually, the answer could just be, take a break, sleep, eat. No, I must be fasting. Hey, maybe, maybe not. Check what your body is saying. Your body knows you better. Don't ignore the messages your body is sending you. Right? To ignore balance is like not breathing. Come and go. Come and go. Come and go. It's knowing when to inhale and knowing when to exhale, even physically. Don't forget to breathe. The second principle we get out of this story is in verse 10. So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. You know what the answer God gives him? Verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, every mouth that has not kissed him. Here is Elijah, I'm the only one doing all these things. I'm the only one working for you. Nobody else cares, right? But he, he, what he doesn't know is there are 7,000 others who are standing up for God. 7,000 others who are worshipping God. 7,000 others, 7, others who are holding the fort 
of the kingdom of God. All right? Spiritual isolation creates an appetite for self-indulgence. It's a very dangerous thing to try and do your spiritual life alone. Because what happens is you either just fizzle out or you get so puffed up right, that you think you're the only one who's living a Christian life. Come and go, knowing the balance of personal and corporate worship. There is the need for personal devotion, need to go quiet before God, need to feed yourself with the word of God. But dear friends, there's also a need to fellowship, to get together and let this community do faith with you. 1 John 1, 6-7 If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Can you see the movement here? Right? We have fellowship with him, but we also have fellowship with one another. That's the balance of the spiritual journey. It's not just fellowship with him. It's not just fellowship with one another. You've got to come and go. Fellowship with him. Fellowship with one another. Don't forget to connect. Third principle. It's found in verse 9. And there he went into a cave, spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. I want to say this to you. You lose balance when you fail to take time to hear God's voice through his word. Let me repeat that to you. You lose balance when you fail to take time to hear God's voice through his word. He went to the cave, spent the night in that place. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. When was the last time the word of the Lord came to you? You've got to make space for that. You've got to make time for that. 1 Kings 19, it goes on to say in verse 11 and 12, Behold, the Lord passed by. A great and strong wind tore into the mountains, broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, a still, small voice. And then God spoke. See, sometimes there's so much noise in our lives and we're trying to hear God through the noise. Right? The earthquake, the rocks, the mountains, the wind, all that noise sometimes, and we're trying to hear God. You've got to make space. You've got to hear God. You get closer. Sometimes the need to get closer because God seems to be whispering. I say to you, get closer. Quieten those noises. Spend time with him. He will speak. He always speaks. He longs to speak. Are we listening? Isaiah 30 verse 21. 
Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right, whenever you turn to the left. You know what? There's a security of living a spiritual life. You know what's that security? His voice. And the Bible says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, walk, walk this way. You turn left, you say, no, 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 no. Go that way. You turn right, he says, go that way. Don't be afraid of walking if you're hearing the voice of God. Don't forget to listen. One more principle. The rhythm of serving. That's in verse 15 and 16. Then the Lord said to him, go. You see, that come and go, he had to first come to the cave. He had to listen to the Lord, right? Then immediately after he has been strengthened and hears the word of God, go. Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Hazael as king of, over Syria. Appoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphath, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Come and go, making space to serve one another. It's not just about me in this journey of faith. I've got to make space to serve another. The apostle Paul as he was leaving Ephesian, Ephesian church, he said this, Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Make space to serve another. So here, my dear friends, is the fine art of balance. Keep breathing. Listen to your body. There's a time to inhale. There's a time to exhale. Keep breathing. Keep connecting. You can't do faith alone. Be part of this faith community and do your life together. Keep connecting. Keep hearing. Reduce the noise level in your life. Get closer to God. He sometimes only whispers. Keep serving. Make space for another. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.